This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What's going on? Welcome into In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well. On the FM dial, as always, I am your host, Jackson Schneider, flying solo today. Uh, But uh, lots to get to. No worries. No anxiety on my end because even though James left me alone to do the show today, I've got so much for you that you're never even going to notice. I'm just going to keep talking and talking and talking. And you're going to have no idea. No idea that I was doing this show all all by myself. Actually, you probably will be very well aware. Regardless, lots of stuff going on in the world today. And if you listened to our show yesterday, especially at the end of the show yesterday, we did a giveaway, and we're going to do it again. I have 12 tickets left, 12 tickets to the Kansas Wesleyan versus Bethany basketball doubleheader tomorrow night here in Salina and maybe Arena. And if you call us right now, while supplies last, two you get two tickets. You call 785-823-1111. That's 785-823-1111. You call, give us your name, tell us you want to go to the basketball game. Two tickets. We've got enough for six of you. Six of you to go to this basketball contest. And it's not just any basketball contest, by the way. We talked about it yesterday. It is a huge rivalry between Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany. It's their conference opener as well. So not only are the juices flowing for the rivalry, they're flowing for the, all the promise that lies ahead for all of the basketball teams that are going to be present, both men's and women's, uh, and their hopes for conference titles and and their journeys towards the postseason. It all kicks off already. An early start to conference play this season uh, in Maybe Arena. The women start at 6, the men approximately at 8 o'clock in Maybe Arena. And whether you are a Swede or a Coyote, we do not care. We just want you to get your, your tail end to Maybe Arena, fill that baby up, and enjoy two fantastic basketball games. So again, Call us here at the station right now, 785-823-1111. One more time, 785-823-1111. And you call us, and we'll get you two tickets to the Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany contest tomorrow night in Maybe Arena for free on the house. So be sure to call if you have interest in fantastic basketball. That's where we'll start the show today. But... The University of Kansas, they are in action tonight on the hardwood as well. The Jayhawks in the Champions Classic, which has been uh, really become a staple to the the true start of basketball season over the last several years. But tonight, Kansas is taking on Duke. The Jayhawks are ranked sixth in the nation. The Blue De- Blue Devils are ranked seventh. Both teams in kind of some transitional periods as well, though, because Duke is in their first season without Mike Shashevsky uh, since I believe 1980, and the Jayhawks 
are kind of in a, not rebuild mode, but there it's certainly a new look Jayhawk squad after the national championship. And we've learned a little bit more about this young Jayhawk team over the last couple of days in their first two games last week. But they are also playing without Bill Self, who's serving the self-imposed four-game suspension until they head to the battle for Atlantis. So both teams still trying to figure themselves out early in the year. Not really sure what to expect other than a really competitive basketball game because Duke is a two-point favorite. They're playing in Indianapolis at uh, Gainbridge Fieldhouse, which is, I believe, where the uh, Indiana Pacers play. So it should be a really fun venue and and, uh, charged-up atmosphere for some high-level basketball. That's the second game of the day in the Champions Classic. The first is number 4, Kentucky, an unranked Michigan State. Kentucky, a 7-point favorite in that one. Michigan State has struggled a little bit in the last couple of seasons. Still a pretty solid basketball program, but uh, not quite to the level of the other three participating in the Champions Classic, at least over the last couple of seasons. But I digress. The attention lies on the Jayhawks, who were going to be without MJ Rice tonight, by the way. If you didn't know, MJ Rice, very talented young freshman for the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Reportedly, MJ Rice is uh, dealing with an illness, so he did not make the trip with the team to Indianapolis, Uh, but they'll be without him. He is a 6'5 guard out of Durham, North Carolina, so certainly you know he wanted to play against Duke. I mean, that's where Duke is, is Durham, North Carolina, but unable to make the trip. Uh, But Kansas will have the full complement of their other talented freshmen like Grady Dick and Zuby Ejiofor and Ernest Uday as well uh, for Kansas and uh, plenty plenty of other star complements as well. Sophomores Zach Clements and K.J. Adams, of course, they've got uh, Dewan Harris and Jalen Wilson. The talent goes on and on and on with this Kansas squad, uh, but I'm very intrigued to see how they handle the uh, the challenge that is Duke, because even though Duke is kind of in a, a transitional period right now with uh, John Shire taking over as head coach, you know that team is still incredibly talented, incredibly talented talented because it's Duke. It's Duke. Mark Mitchell is unbelievable, and you're, you're going to get to know that name a lot. He is one of Duke's best players. He's a 6'8 forward from not too far away in Kansas City. He was a uh, Sunrise Christian guy as well, if memory serves me cor- correctly. Uh, also got to watch for Jeremy Roach and Kyle Filipowski, one of the more fun names that you'll come across in college basketball, and of course Ryan Young as well. It's a lanky and uh, long and athletic Duke team. They've got uh, four guys at seven foot or taller. I think six if you go to six ten or taller on the roster for the Blue Je- Blue Devils. So, despite their youth and despite their uh, uncertainty with the new regime at head coach, obviously very talented, and they'll they'll pose some matchup problems for Kansas tonight for sure. But this is the first real test, right? You don't go into a season after a team wins a national championship fully expecting to know what they're going to look like or how they are going to handle certain challenges when faced off against other top 10 programs. It's This is the, the learn it game. You're going to learn everything. You're going to learn how Kansas responds to adversity. They've they've really commanded each of their first two games. I know the first one, uh, Kansas won by like 25, and people were still unhappy with how they won that game. It wasn't enough, right? Well, then they 
played really well against North Dakota State. And to me, I'm I'm convinced this team is again a very very talented program, but still, uh, people not fully sold on the Jayhawks yet. Well, they're either going to be sold uh, on a win tonight, or they're going to be sold on how they handle this. Because I don't I don't imagine in any way in any way Duke runs away with this game. I think Kansas is just far too talented for that. But again, with a young team, you got to learn how they respond to those tough situations and how Kansas will uh, you know attack a. a team that is as high caliber on offense and defense especially as Duke will be so very excited to just learn about what we've got for the Kansas Jayhawks against this Duke team tonight uh, tip off will probably be around 8 eight thirty. it's tentatively scheduled for eight o'clock but more than likely it will be a delayed start uh, tonight it is the second game, as we mentioned a little bit ago. Uh, Kentucky and Michigan State will start around 6 o'clock. Our pregame show on our sister station, Y93.7, is scheduled to start at uh, 6.30. So you'll have that on Y93.7. Uh, and again, tip-off between 8 8.30, depending on how the first game ends tonight. But uh, that's just a little bit of basketball talk to start again. If you haven't called us yet, call 785-823-1111, and we'll get you hooked up with two tickets to Kansas Wesleyan versus Bethany College tomorrow night in Maybe Arena. Women at 6, men at 8 o'clock. Tickets on the house if you call us here at KSAL. Again, 785-823-1111, and uh, we'll get you hooked up, certainly. We're going to go ahead and take our first break of the show today. When we come back, I've got some Kansas State football audio for you. Chris Kleiman met with the media earlier today. We'll hear from the head coach of the Cats. On the other side of this break, you're listening to In the Zone on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. Brought to you by Hometown Outdoor Power, the area's largest power equipment dealer, offering brands like Toro, Grasshopper, Hustler, Kawasaki, and more. To view their full inventory, see one of their locations in McPherson, Salina, and Minneapolis, or you can even check them out online at hometownoutdoorpower.com. It's hometownoutdoorpower.com. And uh, hey, while we're on the topic of Hometown Outdoor Power, by the way, the snow that we got yesterday, not so chill with me, but I would bet if you are like me and you're not a huge fan of the snow, they'll be able to help you out. They got plenty of stuff. They'll help you clear, remove, and uh, treat sidewalks and, and all that fun stuff. So check them out at hometownoutdoorpower.com. Uh, still got a couple of tickets left for Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany basketball. One more time, I'm going to tell you, uh, 785-823-1111. Give us a call and uh, tell us that you want to go check out the Coyotes and the Swedes tomorrow night here in Salina. Uh, 6 and 8 p.m. are the basketball games. If you call us, we'll hook you up with two tickets to the contest, the KCAC opener for both squads. It's going to be a ton of fun. Give us a call. Again, 785 785- 823-1111. We'll continue today with some football talks, and uh, we'll start at the college level. We'll talk some Chiefs as well in just a little bit. Um, but Chris Kleiman 
met with the media, as he often does on Tuesdays, to preview West Virginia, recap the week that was at Baylor as well. And uh, he had an interesting announcement. I'll, I'll go ahead and get out in front of this one now, but it's one of the first things that Coach Kleiman will address in the audio that I'll play you in just a moment. Uh, but... Kansas State will not have Adrian Martinez this week. The injury that he sustained at Baylor this last weekend. It's not season ending, but he will not be able to play at West Virginia. So the Wildcats will be going with Will Howard as the starter as they head to Morgantown on Saturday with a chance to try and wrap up a Big 12 championship game appearance. The Cats have to win at West Virginia and they have to have Texas lose. If those two things both happen regardless of what would take place in the Sunflower Showdown on November 26th, K-State would still be in the Big 12 championship game. But uh, should K-State and Texas both win this week, the Wildcats would still have to beat Kansas to be guaranteed their spot in Arlington. So a lot a lot to discuss and a big game week for Kansas State. West Virginia is still playing for their bowl eligibility, and it's their senior day as well. So you know West Virginia will be fired up and ready to go for the Cats, as everyone often is these days. Cats don't fly under the radar anymore. They're top 20-ranked team. They're in the Big 12 title hunt. They're going to get everybody's best shot. But you, you've heard enough from me about that. Here's Kansas State head coach Chris Kleiman to discuss the uh, – Kansas State game this weekend as they, again, head to West Virginia to take on the Mountaineers. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, exciting uh, week ahead, uh, heading to a tough place to play in uh, uh, Morgantown to play West Virginia. Um, and I know the guys are excited. We'll get into our real first uh, heavy practice day. We had a short practice yesterday. Uh, looking back at the film from Saturday, uh, a lot of the things happened that we needed to have happened to be successful uh, at Baylor, it's kind of the, what we had hoped for, planned for. That was the game plan, is to hold on to the football. Uh, we had it for 37-plus minutes, um, be productive in the red zone. I think we had four or five touchdowns in the red zone, and then uh, find ways to get off the field on defense. Uh, there's going to be some third-down stops. There's going to be some fourth-down stops. Uh, and uh, if we could do those things, uh, we could keep that offense, which I think is a terrific offense, uh, on the sideline. And we were able to do that. And I'm just proud of the guys' uh, resolve, effort, uh, great focus throughout the week. And um, that, was a, that was a big win uh, on the road against a, a really, really talented team uh, in Baylor. And uh, we've got to move forward this week. Um, many of you guys know uh, that uh, we lost Kobe Savage uh, for the year. He'll be out for the year. It's, it's uh, really tough because Kobe was playing such great football for us, and he was devastated. But uh, we'll lose him for the year. Um, and uh, that's disappointing. Uh, with regards to Adrian, he is not out for the season. I, I, I had heard that that was out there, but that's not the case. He is not available this week. He, he will not be um, playing this week, but um, he's not out for the season. So um, Will's going to be uh, the guy. It's his football team, and uh, excited for Will. Uh, everybody knows Will's playing at a really high level. Uh, he gets to play back closer to home, and uh, – um, you know, Jaron and Jake Rubley will will be the backup um, uh, to Will this week. But uh, uh, excited about the challenge we have. Did West Virginia add a new layer of preparation with the, the quarterback switch because it did change our offense? Yeah, it uh, it definitely does. Um, you know, there. I I think some of the plays may may 
be the same, but there's a lot more quarterback run, read, or element to it. Um, it didn't look like it was the greatest of conditions down there uh, with the rain, so I, it was hard to tell. You know, did uh, both teams try to run the ball a lot more because it was more difficult to throw? I watched a little bit of it on the in the hotel room, but and it looked bad. But uh, um, absolutely, uh, I, we envisioned both kids probably playing. Kind of a cliche case of a wounded animal. They're at home. They're defending their place, and they've done it pretty well this season. Well, boy, they've played really well at home. They've beaten Oklahoma. They've beaten Baylor. I thought they gave T- TCU a, a great run. Um, I thought I, I know I, I'm happy for Neil. That was a big win um, last week uh, for for him and the program. Uh, they're still chasing bowl eligibility. And uh, they'll be ready to play. It's senior day. They've got a lot of great seniors. I've got so much respect for for Neil Brown and, and what he does and how he does it. Um, they'll they'll be ready to play. This is going to be, a, as we talk every week, it's going to be a four quarter great Big Twelve game. Is that West Virginia win kind of a blessing? Because I know you guys do a good job focusing week to week, but you can't miss this one now. Yeah, I, you know, um, I think they were going to be ready to play no matter what. Uh, because of uh, character uh, of and toughness of Neil Brown coach teams. But um, without question, they, they've got a lot to play for, and uh, um, we have a lot to play for. So uh, it's going to be the same thing, who, who can make the fewest mistakes and, and uh, play a clean game. The plan for going on without Kobe, is that just inserting T.J. Smith, or do you experiment? Yeah, we'll move some guys around. We saw us do that a little bit on Saturday as well. Um, sincere. Who started his career as a strong safety will move over there uh, and and play a lot more, and then we're working through some of the other things this week. But uh, uh, you said you guys saw that a little bit on Saturday uh, with sincere playing. Um, we're still going to need multiple guys to play. TJ's going to need to play. VJ Payne's going to need to play. Um, we just we've got a we've got another spot now that we don't have uh, an experienced guy. So uh, something that we're going to work through this week. You mentioned. You know, you kind of moved Khalid Duke down, you know, on the line a little bit on Saturday. Is some of that kind of being able to do that because of Desmond Purnell coming along? Um, you know, not not because of that. It's uh, just something that we thought was going to be very effective against the style of offense that we faced. It's a different style of offense this week, so it may not fit the game plan. But the style of offense that we were going to face last week with Baylor we thought it gave us the best opportunity to be successful. And it just so happened that when Khalid was in the game that that's what we did. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we we, weren't, we didn't play that many plays, so we could play a decent amount. I don't know if that's be a part of the game plan this week. And how much of a difference is it for your defense kind of being able to play man so much on the outside with the corners that you do have? Uh, yeah, uh, we've been playing more man. Uh, we need to mix in probably a, a little bit more zone. Uh, but, uh, you know, having those guys that are experienced guys out there, I, I know helps. This is a really talented group of wide receivers uh, that um, I, I think is one of the best collective groups, uh, so they'll have their hands full. How much of a soothing presence is just the experience that Daniel Green gives you? Um, it was just good to see him back healthy. Uh, this is Last week was his first full week of practice, I, I know, since South Dakota. And uh, to see him feeling good, um, running around, directing traffic, uh, it, uh, it really helps us. I know Nick Allen played a lot. 
uh, and he's going to continue to play a lot. Um, you know, and, and Austin's playing really well. But uh, just to have your your captain out there uh, at uh, at Mike linebacker and and him feeling good and him him being out there, it just it just Nick Allen's been such a warrior for us in the amount of plays and practice reps he's gotten. Um, it's great to have Deuce out there giving Nick a break too in practice and, and having your, your, your captain on the field. West Virginia defense has had its struggles. I think they're 101st in total defense, but that front three and they throw in the band yeah. front four has like 70 starts. So your offensive line has got to be on top of things. Yeah. Um, they, they don't want to allow you to rush the football. And I thought they played Oklahoma really well and did a nice job in, in the run game. And, and you're right. Uh, I think their front seven uh, does a tremendous job of, of being disruptive um, and not staying on blocks. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a, a big effort by our guys up front and tight ends and stuff to see uh, how we can crack those guys in the run game. In regards to Adrian, would he be potentially available to return for the bowl game or before that? Um, there's a chance before that. And uh, with with Will, this is going to be the first week, I think, that he goes into a game knowing way in advance he's absolutely yeah. going to start. How much differently does that change things for him, for you, for anybody? I don't think it changes at all. Um, you know, probably a few more practice reps, uh, but he's taken so many practice reps that – and, you know, he's a young player, but he's played a lot of games – um, I don't think he goes about it any differently. I don't think his preparation is any 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 different at all. Um, you know, the fact that uh, he knows he's he's going to be the starter and start the game before twelve minutes before kickoff um, might give him peace of mind. Uh, but uh, um, no, I don't think it'll change his preparation. That not that's the thing that's impressed me so much about Will is you know the entire season how he's gone about his business and and gotten himself prepared to play whether he's going to or not. I also wanted to ask about uh, Deuce Vaughn. You've been using him more as a receiver lately, and last week you did actually some pretty creative things, getting the ball to him in the flats. Why was that such an effective game plan? And, I mean, obviously he's good out there, but what makes Deuce such an elusive player? Um, other than to say it was what Baylor was giving us, that's as far as I'm going to go with it, okay? Because it was just something that we saw that they were giving us. And so we took advantage of it by getting him out on the flat. That's something you'd like to keep doing. If well, possible. it depends. It, it, it I, and we've had this conversation before. Um, how are people playing him in the past game? You know, some people double him in the past game, and it doesn't allow him to be a threat. And some people don't. Um, and um, we had some situations where we thought we had him one on one, and it's a tough matchup for a linebacker. And uh, they had a couple times. I thought Baylor did a great job covering him in the flat and making some really good tackles on him. They did a phenomenal job a few times. Uh, but we still like – we'll take our chances on that. So, um, you know, we're still what – what the coverage is is where the quarterback's eyes are going to dictate where, he, where he's going. And there was a few in cases last Saturday where the coverage uh, dictated that uh, we'll go to Deuce. All right, that was Kansas State head football coach Chris Kleiman. His uh, weekly football media availability as he, uh, again, previews the Cats and the Mountaineers. Big game for the Wildcats for obviously a multitude of reasons, but the biggest being the fact that the Big 12 championship is still very much in the Cats' grasp. A win in Morgantown and a Texas loss to Kansas, and the Cats are in.
guaranteed because they because they would have a one game advantage over Texas uh, with one game to go, and they would also have the tiebreakers over Baylor and Oklahoma State, et cetera, et cetera. So not only is K State pulling for a win, they're also pulling for a win for their rivals. Isn't that funny how life works out? But it should Texas defeat the Jayhawks, then no matter what. It is the Wildcats playing their arch rival for a trip to Arlington in December. So some fun storylines, some fun storylines to focus on for Kansas State football. Here's we head into the final couple of weeks of the season. Uh, But the big story out of this presser for Chris Kleiman is the fact that Adrian Martinez is out. And... That stinks for a couple of reasons because he's been uh, a nice steadying senior leader for Kansas State over the course of this season. But that said, Will Howard has been spectacular on the season and uh, he was really no different when he came in. Uh, in relief of Adrian Martinez's injury last week at Baylor. He completed 19 of 27 passes for just shy of 200 yards, threw for three scores, and uh, he also rushed for about six total yards, which isn't anything. The Wildcats haven't even begun to open up the quarterback run game there, but they haven't really needed to because Deuce Vaughn is still Deuce Vaughn, and DJ Giddens has really come along as well. He rushed for 58 yards and a touchdown against Baylor as well. So K-State's offense has looked really good, really comfortable against uh, opponents under Will Howard. I mean, you could talk about the struggles of, of Oklahoma State here recently and how beat up they have been and how they've really been a shell of themselves. But credit still deserves to go to Will Howard and how he's managed the offense. As a kid who's really been put through the ringer the last couple of seasons, he has gotten the worst of a lot of slander. And at times, rightfully so, uh, in 2020 and 2021 in place of the injured Skylar Thompson. But clearly, he's started to hit his stride. And he started to move along very positively. And it's good to see. Got to tell you, I'm very, very excited for it because Kansas State has been right on the cusp each of the last couple of years under Chris Kleiman, but the quarterback play um, with Will Howard as a backup has just not quite been there. But clearly, he's at the point where he's not just any other backup. He is a quality starter, and I think K-State's starting to lean into the fact that not only are they playing for a Big 12 title game appearance this season, but they're playing for the development of Will Howard into the future because I would imagine Will Howard is their guy heading into next season with how he has played this season, and nobody, nobody would complain about that. I know K-State has a pretty talented quarterback in their recruiting class for this season, but that said, he's probably not a day one starter, and I think that's pretty fair to say that Will Howard can take the reins for next season and uh, help this team move forward. But until you get to that point, you got to focus on who's going to get the job done for you the best in 2022. And so far, again, the last couple of weeks, that has been Will Howard. So the Cats will pivot to him in place of the injured Adrian Martinez. Though, again, it is not a season-ending injury by any means to Adrian Martinez. But right now, with him not 100%, it's pretty much a no-brainer to send Will Howard out there and give the Cats the best chance possible at collecting their eighth win of the season and trying to solidify their place in Arlington for the Big 12 championship game. But 
Time to step aside for another timeout here on In the Zone. When we come back, we'll talk some Kansas City Chiefs, some Denver Broncos as well. Just look, we'll take a look at the AFC West in general, and uh, might even have some audio for you. We'll see what I can dig up. But that's uh, that's on the other side here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. Final segment of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I'm Jackson Schneider, and I am flying solo today. If you hadn't noticed already, James Westling out of office today, but that's okay. I'm perfectly capable of holding down the fort today, especially with so much to discuss. We had some Chris Kleiman audio. We previewed a little bit the uh, KU-Duke matchup earlier in the show. Oh, by the way, we're still giving away a few tickets. You can hear them. They're in my in my hand. I'm holding them right here. I have a couple more left. So if you're interested in coming to Maybe Arena tomorrow night at 6 o'clock for Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany in the doubleheader that opens KCAC play for both teams, men's and women's action tomorrow night, give us a call, 785-823-1111 while supplies last. Again, I've got just a couple left, so you might want to call quickly. Otherwise, we'll be running out, that's for sure. Uh, But... To wrap up the show today, let's talk some football because we had a pretty crazy weekend uh, in case you missed it. But I want to start with perhaps the craziest NFL game we've seen in quite some time. And it relates, obviously, to the Chiefs pretty heavily. But the Minnesota Vikings went to Buffalo to take on the Bills. And it looked like early in this game that Buffalo was going to run away with it. They had a, a pretty decent lead, 24-10 to 10 at halftime. Uh, they were up 27-10 to 10 at one point, I'm pretty sure. And all of a sudden, an interception in the red zone by Josh Allen kind of turned the tide. Kirk Cousins deserves some credit. Okay, because he gets a lot of flack, and rightfully so, because he is perhaps the most meme-worthy quarterback in the NFL. But he led this team to a massive win, and he got a ton of help. I might add from Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, who did substantial weight pulling on their own as well. But Kirk Cousins threw for 357 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson caught 193 yards worth of those 357 that Cousins tossed for. Dalvin Cook rushed for 119 yards and an 81-yard touchdown run as well. So uh, a little bit of everything coming from the, the Vikings. But let's focus on the end of this game. Okay, so... On fourth and goal at the one, with about a minute left, a minute left in this game, the <laughs> the Bills are leading twenty seven, or excuse me, uh, are leading yes twenty seven to twenty three. Right, the 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 uh, oh gosh, I can't talk right now. But the the Vikings were looking to take the lead on a touchdown. And they get stopped on a quarterback sneak by Kirk Cousins inside of the one-yard line. So, obviously, the Bills take over, and there's like 
45 seconds left in the game. All they have to do is not get stopped in the end zone. They try to quarterback sneak it just to give themselves some breathing room so they can take a knee and win the game. But Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, made one of his three massive mistakes in this game. We'll get to the third in a minute. But he he fumbles the snap. All he had to do was handle the snap. Handle the snap and fall forward out of the end zone. He fumbled it. The Vikings recover in the Bills' end zone for a touchdown. They make the extra point to go 30-27 to in the lead with 40 seconds to go. Credit to Josh Allen and to the Bills. They go on a amazing drive in the last 40 seconds to get a field goal from Tyler Bass. Tie the game at 30, then they go to overtime. Greg Joseph kicks a field goal um, and, and gives the Vikings the lead. Here comes the Bills again. Josh Allen leads another what looks to be great drive. They're well on their way to not only t- possibly tying the game late in overtime, but outright winning it with a touchdown. Well, all of a sudden, Josh Allen throws another interception in the red zone. This time it's in the end zone, picked off, and the Vikings win the game. That is is massive for a variety of reasons. First of all, it gives the Vikings an 8-1 and record and a vice grip on the NFC North. The next closest competition they have is the Green Bay Packers at 4-6. and six. So they've almost got that division completely wrapped up. Well, secondly, Buffalo has now lost back-to-back games. Their record drops to 6-3, and three, and they fall to third place in the AFC East. Not only do they fall out of first place in the AFC, but in their own division, they fall all the way to third place behind the 7-3 Dolphins and behind the 6-3 Jets, whom they lost to last week. Well, Kansas City finds a way to win their game. It wasn't, it wasn't the prettiest, don't get me wrong. It was not the prettiest win for the Chiefs, but they found a way to win against the Jacksonville Jaguars and win by 10 points. The Chiefs led 20 to nothing and really kind of let the Jaguars hang around. They had plenty of opportunities to put that game away, and they just couldn't do it. But the Chiefs do get the 27-17 win. Chiefs improved to 7-2 on the season and put themselves in the driver's seat in the AFC and the AFC West because the Chiefs, much like the Vikings, have a substantial lead now in their own division because the Chargers are 5-4. They're the next closest competition to the Chiefs at 7-2 in the AFC West. But the Chiefs, with that first place, spot in the AFC in general, they are in the driver's seat for home home field advantage in the playoffs with, what, eight, eight games to go? We're at basically the halfway point, a little more than halfway, and the Chiefs certainly in the driver's seat, but they'll have to head to the Chargers this next week to prove it of sorts against that Chargers team who's two games back in the AFC West. But a massive development for Kansas City, who lost to the Bills just a few short weeks ago, and all of a sudden it looked like this was the Bills' time. It was their time to surpass the Chiefs and to grab a hold of the AFC and make their triumphant return to a Super Bowl to try and win it. And everyone was kind of... I say everyone, tongue-in-cheek a little bit here, but a lot of media members nationally were kind of pronouncing the death of the Kansas City Chiefs' quote-unquote dynasty. Well, all of a sudden, a few short weeks later, 
The Bills, after winning their Super Bowl, which has been against the Chiefs the last couple of years, where they've won that that big game, they start to falter a little bit. Now, they won 27-17 against the Packers the week after beating the Chiefs, but since then, they're now 0-2, 6-3 on the season, and leave a lot to be desired, certainly. But uh, I think I think that the Chiefs aren't quite dead yet. <laughs> That's just my humble opinion. Now, in the Chiefs' division, it's it's really been kind of I don't know lackluster. They it's been ho hum at best for the Chargers to be five and four. Because if you remember correctly, there were tons of people saying how good the AFC West was going to be and how how all these teams were coming for the Chiefs because the Broncos had brought in Russell Wilson and the Chargers had made all these free agent acquisitions on defense and the Raiders brought in a new coach, blah, blah, blah. And all of these teams have fallen flat on their faces and we're not even to the home stretch of the season. The Raiders lost again. They're 2-7 and seven and have been awful, awful away from home. They're 2-2 two and two at home, which isn't that good to begin with, but they have yet to win a road game this season. And, and it's been amazing to find ways for them to lose because if you remember correctly, their first three losses of the season, the first three weeks, were all by one possession. Their first four losses, I beg your pardon, were of one possession or less because they lost to the Chiefs by one point. But then since then, they've just looked gross, getting shut out by the Saints and beaten by the Jaguars after blowing a 20 to nothing lead. And the Colts just plumb beat them on Sunday. They just have been awful. But it's truly been kind of hilarious to watch the Raiders. But it's also been equally as frustrating to watch the Broncos. Because to me, I think the Broncos are far closer to actually being a contender within this division than the Bron- or than the Raiders have been. And yet, they're only one win better this season. Only one. And yet again, their offense has fallen flat. They muster just 10 points against the Titans on Sunday. They lose 17-10. to And I saw this interesting stat over the weekend. If the Broncos offense... 